0: The past sort of six to eight weeks and uh, really looking at Revelation chapter four verse eleven. And we're gonna be doing the kind of grand finale today. So I'm just gonna get stuck straight in and just gonna go over basically what we've been learning about over the past few weeks and what God has been speaking into the life of the church. And then we're gonna go into the final part of the final word, power. So Revelations 4, verse 11 says, You are worthy, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power, for you created all things, and by your will they were created and have Their being. And at the very beginning of our series, we looked at the word glory, the indescribable splendor, majesty, incredible, amazing glory of God. The glory that we can't even begin to put into words, and how we can understand and know that. In our everyday lives, that weight of his presence, the glory of God, and getting ourselves into a place where we just seek more of God's glory to be at work within our lives. You know, our lives become more brighter and more beautiful as we become more like Jesus. It says in the Bible that we're changed from glory to glory. And then we moved on to honour, recognising God's greatness and his glory and his might and his splendor and his wonder. Recognizing that and saying, God, I'm going to submit and I'm going to surrender everything, fully, every area of my life to you. And it says in John chapter 3, verse 30 to 31, talks about he must increase and I must decrease. That sense of putting God in his rightful place in our lives, honoring God with our finances, with our relationships, with our bodies, with our hearts, with our attitudes and our actions, fully understanding his glory. And then coming to him in a place of honour and saying, God, I'm going to submit and I'm going to surrender everything to you. And then last week, we started to unpack the final word, power, the power of God. And last week, Graham unpacked this um, through exploring the power of God at work through unanswered prayer, really looking at the life of Job and how God gave Job a real revelation of who he is despite the situation that jabe found himself in and through a series of questions god says i'm going to reveal to you who i am look at what i have done already if i've done that then can't i do this for you and in in that place of revelation we don't always get all the answers we don't always get the explanation but god wants to reveal himself to us and reveal the full amazing Indescribable power that he he is in our lives, and God wants us to to show us more of that today in this place. So we're going to unpack power a bit more. And when you look at the word power in this verse, in Revelation four verse eleven, when you look at what the word actually means in the context of this verse, it's the word dunamis. And this is what it means, strength, power, and ability, an inherent power, power that resides in a thing by virtue of its nature, or which a personal thing exerts and puts forth, the power for performing miracles, moral power and excellence of soul, the power and influence which belongs to riches and wealth, power and resources, power consistent in or resting upon armies, forces, or hosts. And when you look in the context of Revelation 4 verse 11, what it's saying about power is that God's power, the dynamis power, encompasses absolutely everything. God is all-powerful. It says in 1 Chronicles 29, verse 11 to 12, Yours, Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the majesty and the splendor for everything in heaven and earth is yours. Yours, Lord, is the kingdom. You are exalted as head over all. Wealth and honor come from you. You are the ruler of all things. In your hands are strength and power to exalt and give strength to all. And you see what excites me about this verse and what excites me about understanding God's full and awesome power is that that power is at work in us. If we know Jesus, if we have accepted him as our Lord and Saviour, then we don't walk around Flat and empty, we walk around with the power of God within us. But so often, we misunderstand what that power looks like. We misunderstand how full that power is. And I want to go back to um, the verse that Graham shared at the very beginning last week. Because I started to unpick um, what power really means in the context of the Greek and started to think a bit more about this. I went back to the verse that Graham started off with as a prayer last week in Ephesians chapter 1. It says in verse 19, I also pray that you will understand the incredible greatness of God's power for us who believe him. This is the same mighty power that raised Christ from the dead and seated him in the place of honor at God's right hand in the heavenly realm. Now he is far above any ruler or authority or power or leader or anything else, not only in this world, but also in the world to come. So if you remember "dynamis" that we just spoke about, dunamis, the power of God, all-powerful. And then you look at how Paul tries to describe God's power. You get the word greatness, and you get the word great, which is "megithos," And that means strong, it means great. But then Paul is so, he can't even, he's like, that's not good enough. It's not just strong or great. So then he puts the word incredible, or some of it might say ins- um, "insurpassable." And I love this word. The way I remember this is hyperballoon, but it's probably hyperballon. But, like, you know when you think about a balloon being really bouncy and you think about, like, a hyper balloon, would just be, like, a crazy balloon, like, going all over the place. Couldn't really buy one of those in the shop to show you, but you get that image. But this is what it means. Hyperballoon, megatheos, dunamis, a power that is beyond measure... That is a superabounding, surpassing power, more than we can ever imagine. That is the power of God within us today. Who believes that this morning? Some of you. So, my aim by the end of this message is that all of us would understand what that super, impassable, great, incredible, unimaginable, indescribable power means for us today. And that is the power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead. That is the power that was making the universe, that created the universe. And that power lives within us. We've just celebrated communion this morning, recognizing Jesus' death on the cross for us. But also, as we take communion, we don't just come in a solemn way to take communion and remember that Jesus died. Yes, he forgave us, sin and he died for us. But what happened three days later is he rose again. And the same power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead lives within you this morning. And I really want us to grab hold of this today. Because what happens so often is we have got this limited understanding of God's power. It's based... On our own experience is maybe based on our own understanding, engaged by what we've experienced so far in our lives. Five years ago, Gareth and I uh, went on holiday. About five years ago, to Salou in Spain, and if you've ever been there, there's a place called Portaventura Ventura, which is like a big theme park. And so Gareth and I were like, "Yeah, let's do that one day. That'd be great fun." So we go to this theme park, and um, it was like the it was in an ideal idyllic place. It was like, you know, right by the sea. And it was a really sunny day. If you look at the photo, um, you'll see the kind of place we were going to. So we get there and um, Gareth and I have got this thing that if you go into a theme park or somewhere where there's lots of rides, you kind of go to a ride, first of all, that is kind of something like in the middle, you know, something you're quite familiar with that isn't going to be like the most scary ride in the world, but it's just something that you could kind of think, yeah, that's like, you know, that's where I'm at, you know, the runaway train or... The log flume, something that's not, you know, going to be too scary to begin with. Anyway, so we go, we go in, and we get to this ride here, and I thought, oh, this looks, you know, looks fairly tame. And we look outside and we're like looking at it; it doesn't look like it goes very high, and it's kind of going around like this. I thought, well, it's kind of a bit kind of runaway train-ish. This looks like kind of good place to start. So we go and queue up. Bear in mind, we're in Spain, so everything about the ride is in Spanish, and there's some translations in English, but we didn't really pick up on those. We're walking into this place, and even that, you know, it looked quite pleasant and nice, and you're walking around, and the queue wasn't that big, so we were like, great, this is brilliant, walking around. And as you're going around, there's like these little speakers with music playing, and every now and again, there was this like person speaking in Spanish, and we were like, very nice, you know? Carry on, like, yeah, this is great. And then we get towards the front of the queue, And I can start to hear people screaming, and I think, oh, they're just, you know, on their first ride as well, and it's all a bit exciting. And then we get a bit closer, and then I realise... The reason why everybody is screaming, so we get to the front, and this ride wasn't just, um, you know, your runaway train. You're sitting in, so you're sitting in these chairs with your legs dangling out. Have you ever been to Nemesis or Alton Towers, it was that kind of thing. So anyway, we're sitting there, and I'm starting, like, I'm starting to panic a little bit because I'm thinking this is the first ride we've been on. I don't really know what's about to happen. So I'm now just going to read to you what this ride really was: Furious Baco. In furious Baco, a professor is preparing to launch his new grape-collecting machine. If his assistant monkey pulls the wrong lever, the contraption will turn into an out-of-control catapult. This unbelievable catapult puts even the bravest of passengers to the test. Now, this is what was being played in these little speakers that I didn't understand. Um, going from zero to 135 kilometres per hour in just three seconds. On its heart-stopping trajectory, the catapult soars downwards, almost touching the ground. Hence why it was so low. Crossing ditches, hurtling through tunnels, and even skimming the water of the Mediterranean. Furious backhoe is undoubtedly one of the most adrenaline-inducing attractions. Power, speed, and acceleration are the main players of this 850 millimeter, millimeter, uh, meter long ride with a G-force of 4.7. <laughs> You see, once you're strapped in, you just go. And, it, and I literally, it was the heart-stopping moment where it just shot us in three seconds from zero. And I, I don't think I could speak or breathe or anything when we got off the ride. But why do I share that with you? Some of us become happy and content with the experience that we've had of God's power working in our lives. We become familiar with it and we think, that's, that's great, I, I'm quite happy with that. And, and that experience that I've had maybe of the Holy Spirit or that time in that meeting when I really felt something, that, that was fine, I was okay with that. And we walk around in that power and in that strength and that experience that we've had of God in our lives. But God's saying, there is more, there is so much more. My power is far greater than you can even begin to comprehend. And there is so much more for us to experience. And I really believe, just like Graham said last week, it's time to buckle up and it's time to brace yourself because God wants to take you on a journey of really experiencing his power. But the first step is saying, okay, God, I'm just going to come and I'm going to step into that. I'm going to take a step of faith. I'm going to go deeper. I'm going I'm to push into your presence more. And I just want to encourage you this morning that wherever you're at within your journey, God wants to fill you more and more with his Holy Spirit. And he wants his power to bring evidence and at work in your lives. Because the power of God lives within us. It lives within us right now. Each and every person here who knows Jesus and has accepted him as our Lord and Savior. God's power is within you. And sometimes we get to that point where we're a bit flat. And we're a bit running on empty and God's saying, I just want to fill you again with my power. I want to fill you again with my Holy Spirit so that you can go out and be great witnesses and do great things. So how can we learn to rely on the incredible power of God? First thing is to remember what he has done already. Psalm 105 verse 4 to 5 says, look to the Lord and his strength. Seek his face always. Remember the wonders he has done and the miracles and the judgment he pronounced Every miracle that is recorded in the Bible, every story that we read is a reminder of the incredible power of God. Each of you now, just as you're beginning to think of maybe some of your favorite Bible stories or examples of miracles in the New Testament, (laughs) it's God's power at work. And so often we can look at those and think, well, that happened all that time ago. But God wants to do those miracles and see those things happen in our lives today. But he's just looking for a group of people who are going to say yes I am going to step forward in God's power. I'm going, to be at wo- I'm going to allow the Holy Spirit to work within my life. I'm going to be bold. I'm going to have faith. And I'm going to step out for him. Who's ready to do that this morning? Who wants more of the power of God in this place today? Yeah. So I just want to encourage you. Don't just look, the, look at those stories as things of the past. But they are very much for today as well. Remember his power is made perfect in our weakness. 2 Corinthians 12, verse 9, come across Paul. And uh, he has a thorn in the flesh, and, and and he has this weakness about him. But he actually goes on to say that he glories in that because it magnifies God. And I don't know what's going on in your life or what you're carrying, maybe in your health or whatever it might be, and you might be feeling like you're in a weak place. But in that place, God wants to magnify his power in your life. And I shared this story as part of um, when I preached last time, but I just kept getting drawn back to sharing this bit again. But when you go to the story of the storm on the lake, the disciples are there, and they're on the boat, and they're scared, and they're frightened. They're going through the worst storm ever. Jesus is fast asleep. He's resting. He's not worried. But they're so desperate. They get to the end of themselves. they tried all their fisherman tricks to sort this storm out, and nothing's working. And they wake Jesus up. They're like, Jesus, Jesus, we just need you to sort this out. And they are frightened. They are scared. And Jesus just stands up, and he says, peace be still. And the storm completely quietens down. And then the disciples are looking at Jesus, going, who is this man? Even the wind and the waves obey him. In that moment, Jesus is showing the disciples, look, my power is greater than you can ever even begin to understand. And as you stand in your place of weakness, as you stand in your place of desperation, I'm just going to show you my strength and my power. And in that story, the disciples have to go through the storm to get to the other side, because God wants to teach them through Jesus showing and displaying his power that it's my power that is at work it's my power that is here in this place and I would just believe that it might be people and you're going through a storm you're going through a situation or a circumstance and God is going to begin to reveal his power to you and his words to you are peace be still he's got it covered his power is greater than what's going on right now in your life and you are going to get to the other side of the lake. Just keep trusting him. Keep holding on to him. And throughout the Bible, we've got so many examples of different people who were in their place of weakness and God just gives them strength. Even the disciples, when they're at their wit's end and all they've got is they haven't got anything to feed 5,000 people. And all they've got in their hand is a kid's lunchbox. And they're like, Jesus, this is all we've got. Jesus takes what's in their hand and performs an incredible miracle that feeds 5,000 people. What's in your hand today? You might feel like you've only got a lunchbox full. And what I mean by that, you might feel like you haven't got much to give in your time, in your treasures, in your, in your talents. You might think, what have I got in my hand? But if you give that to God, and God breathes his power, and his Holy Spirit into that, incredible things can happen. What's in your hands today? When you look in the Old Testament, there's so many examples time and time again of people who God took that were weak, that weren't the perfect choice, and God got his hand on them, and he gave them them his power and strength so they could walk and do incredible things. When you look at the life of Gideon, he's there, he's hiding in a wine press. The Israelites are in a mess, and God takes Gideon and he says, you might be timid, You might feel like you're weak, but you are a mighty man of valour. You are a mighty hero. And he takes Gideon and he says, I'm going to raise you up to lead the army of Israel to fight against the Midianites. So when Gideon is in that place, he has to start trusting and believing God. And that's the first step, going, okay, God, I'm going to go with you in this. You're with me. I'm just going to trust you. He gets the army together and he has 32,000 men. And then God says to him, no, too many. If anyone's scared or frightened, they can go home. So 22,000 men go home that day, back to their their homes. And if I was Gideon at that point, I'd be thinking, oh, dear. So then they carry on their journey. Then they get to a stream, and God says to Gideon, no, I want you to get the men to drink from the stream. And the ones that are lapping it up with their tongues and not really looking around, Send them home. The ones that are cupping it with their hands and checking to see that there's no enemy around, keep them. The army's down to 300. 300 men to fight against this massive Midianite army. But God is showing Gideon in that moment, it's not about who you are. It's about my power at work in you. It's my power at work that will defeat the Midianites, and you know what they end up doing? They don't even end up fighting. God says, Gideon, tell all the men to get their pitchers, get their lights ready, and I'm going to give them all a trumpet. And at the sound, I want you to blow your trumpets, and I want you to break your clay jars and shine your lights. And we're going to shout for the sword of the Lord and for Gideon. And in that moment, what happens is the enemy start getting confused. It's the middle of the night. They turn on each other and they start killing each other. And the whole army is defeated. Not in Gideon's strength, not in the army's strength, but in the power of God at work through the situation. And I really had a sense as I was just exploring this story in the context of what we're talking about, that God is looking for people who are going to say, it's not by my might, it's not by my strength, but it's by your spirit. That is what is going to defeat the enemy. That is what is going to shine a light in the darkness. And God's calling some of us today to be people who are going to raise our pictures, our lights up, and we're going to go out into the dark places of our communities, of our families, of our places of work and we're going to raise our lights and we're going to begin to shout for this is for God's victory for his glory and we're going to start to speak out the word of God and we'll start to declare it and shine our light because the darkness is getting darker but God's light will always shine brighter in every situation in every circumstance in every community you know when we're going out with our um, in a couple of weeks when we go out with those presents and those gifts and that sleigh You know, that is just all the kind of like nice decorative stuff around it. But what we're actually doing is we're giving out those gifts. We're shining a light. Every conversation that we have with people on the streets during that time, we are speaking God's word into their lives. And I just want to encourage you. Which places do you need to go and shine your light? Which places do you need to begin to speak out the word of God? Because God's word is power. And God is calling us today to be people who stretch, who start to begin to go. Okay, I'm going to step out in faith. Some of these things are not—they're out of my comfort zone. But God, it's not in my strength; it's in Your power. And when we walk in God's power, great things can happen. The third thing is to come to God in prayer. You know, this is a vital part of relying on God's power. Jesus says in Matthew chapter seven, verse. Um, verse 7 ask and it will be given to you seek and you will find knock and it will be open to you for everyone who asks receive and he who seeks finds and to him who knocks it will be open when we come to God in prayer his power begins to work in our lives and it begins to transform situations and circumstances but half the time we don't bother even asking You know, we so easily get caught up in doing everything in our own strength, trying to figure it out ourselves. But God wants us to come to him, to ask him, to seek him, to really begin to knock on the door and just to see those things begin to break, to see those things begin to open. You know, it was after a prayer meeting in the early church that the place they were meeting was shaken and everybody in that place began to speak words boldly and were filled with the Holy Spirit. It was during a prayer meeting that Peter was miraculously released from prison. Incredible things can happen when we begin to pray. And I just want to encourage you. You know, we've got a prayer meeting here on Tuesday night at half past seven. And we've got regular prayer things happening throughout the church. But sometimes we almost don't have this botheredness enough to say, God, I just want to meet meet with people and be in a place of prayer. I totally understand work commitments and busyness of life. But something happens as a church when we come together as one body and we begin to pray and we begin to seek God. Prayer is a place of power. It's a place where miracles can be seen happen. It's a place where we can come and find healing. In James 5 verse 16 it says, Therefore confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Your prayers are powerful. Your prayers are effective. Those of you that are faithfully praying day in, day out for different situations and circumstances, you might not have the answer yet. But your prayers are powerful and they are effective. Even if you don't see the answer right now, I believe that God is going to bring further revelation and he's going to bring bring further insight into things that are happening because God wants to reveal himself to us through a place of prayer. How do you receive God's power? It goes back to just asking God. The power of the Holy Spirit is for each and every one of us. When Jesus ascended to heaven, he said to his disciples to wait for the power that they needed. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria until the ends of the earth. Without the Holy Spirit, the disciples at that moment would have just been spinning plates They could have tried to do things in their their own strength, but they were in a place right at that point where they would have been scared, they would have been frightened, they would have been thinking, what are we going to do? Jesus says to them, no, wait, because I promise you the power of the Holy Spirit. And when the power of the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you will be able to be my witnesses. It's no good trying to do things in our own strength. We need the power of the Holy Spirit at work within our lives. And all we have to do is ask. Luke 11, verse 13 says, How much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? When was the last time you asked the Holy Spirit to come and to fill you again? When was the last time we got to a place in our weakest point where we just turned to God and said, God, I can't do this in my own strength. I can't carry on like this anymore. I need your power to come and fill me. I need your power to be at work in this situation or circumstance. God's power is made perfect in your weakness, but so often we get so caught up in trying to figure it out ourselves that it takes us longer to get to that point. But I really believe this morning God wants to fill us with His power again, fill us with His Holy Spirit so that we can go out and be His witnesses, so that we can go out. And be his light. The Holy Spirit, God's power within us, gives us strength. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being. It's our daily supply. Daily going to God and saying, God, would you fill me with your power today? Would you fill me with your power so I can go and speak to my colleague at work, so I can go into that family situation and be your light, so that I can go into the community and look for opportunities to speak and to shine a light for you? By his divine power, God has given us everything we need for living a godly life. Do you know that this morning? By his power, God has already given you everything that you need to live a godly life. And so often we get caught up with so much else in our lives that we forget that. You already have God's power at work within you. It equips us to serve. It says, I became a servant of this gospel by the gift of God's grace given to me through the working of his power. You know, being able to be equipped to serve means that we can go out with a gift over that weekend. We can invite a friend to come into church. We can stand at the door and greet people. We can serve coffee. We can help out on maintenance day, all of those things. We don't do them in our own strength or in our own ability. We do it through God's power. See, when we do things through God's power, it changes everything that we do. We don't just serve a cup of tea with a kind of, you know, half-week half uh, tea bag and, you know, there you go, have a nice cup of tea. It changes our appearance. It changes everything about us. When God's power and his Holy Spirit is at work within us, we step into a whole new realm of being able to serve Him, of being able to show him in our every parts of our lives. and it empowers us to speak. It gives us strength, it's our daily supply. It equips us to serve. It empowers us to speak. Jesus came and told his disciples, "I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son." And the Holy Spirit teach these new disciples to obey all my commands I have given them. And be sure of this I am with you always to the end of the age. God is always with us. And in whatever He's given us to do, in every situation, in every circumstance, in every conversation, in every time we step out in faith, God is with us. We are not alone. And I just want to encourage you this morning. Are you feeling a bit flat? Are you feeling a bit empty? Because God wants to fill you again with his Holy Spirit today. All you have to do is ask. All God's looking for is an openness of our hearts this morning. To come to kind of land in this series and come to kind of the end of tying up what we've been hearing and what is been touching our hearts and changing our lives over these past few weeks i just want to leave you with this one of the most dramatic actions when you go back to Revelation chapter 4 verse 11 happens in verse 10 see in john's vision he sees 24 elders falling before the one who is seated on the throne and worshiping the one who lives forever and ever And then they cast their crowns before the throne. You see, in ancient days, when kings and crowns and the significance and all of that, when one king defeated another king, the defeated king would fall down before the victorious king. And they would take off their crown and they would throw it on the feet of the conqueror. And it was that King's way of saying, all that I rule is now yours. All that I call mine is yours. All that was in my power is now yours. And that's the meaning of John's heavenly vision, when he's talking about those 24 elders casting their crowns before him, singing, You are worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honour and power, for you created all things, and by your will, they existed and were created. This morning, are we ready and we willing to cast our crowns before God and saying to God, "God, all that I am is yours. Everything I am is yours. All that I call my own is yours." everything of my own strength my own power it's yours this morning God and I just want to give us a few moments wherever you're at whether you're in a weak place a strong place whether you are just here for the first time and this is all a bit new and different for you I'm just going to have a few moments just to reflect on that what is it this morning that God's saying give that to me Just surrendering before God again, giving him that rightful place of honour in our lives. God, this morning as we come before you, we know we cannot do anything in our own strength. just as we've explored in that vision that John had in Revelations 4 we cast our crowns before you everything we have is yours for every situation that we're holding on to for everything we're trying to do in our own strength God we just lay it before you right now We're sorry for the times when we've tried to do things in our own strength, when we have exerted our own power or or authority in situations. God, we lay that before you now. All that we have is yours. You know, as we find ourselves in a place of surrender and as we cast our crowns before Him, God looks at us. And as we bow and as we offer everything before Him, He says, My son, my daughter, now rise up. And I am going to give you new power and new authority. Go in my power and go in my authority to be my witnesses. You don't stand in your own strength anymore. You don't stand in your own understanding. You stand in my power and my authority. And I really believe that as an act this morning of saying, God, I surrender. I cast my crowns before you. I believe God just comes and says, now stand. Stand in your authority. Stand in your power. And all across this room, if you want to know A new power and a new strength that only comes through the power of the Holy Spirit. I just encourage you all across this place right now to stand. Stand in his authority and stand in his power. God, all across this room we are standing in your authority and in your power. And God, I pray right now for a fresh release of your Holy Spirit in this place. For those who are empty, for those who are dry, for those that just feel like they're running on empty. Right now, Father God, I just pray for a touch of your Holy Spirit in this place. If you know you want to just receive more of the Holy Spirit in your life, just begin to raise your hands in the air. It's just an act of saying, God, I want to receive more of your Holy Spirit. You know, the Holy Spirit can come and just rest on you like a dove and bring you peace. The Holy Spirit can come and just overwhelm you with a sense of joy. For others, you just might have a really strong of bubbling sense inside of you that God is just doing something new within you. For some people it might be you begin to speak in new languages. For others just in this place you might start to cry. It's the Holy Spirit just touching you right now and speaking to you once again. Ask and it will be given to you seek and you will find knock and the door will be open to you whoever asks will receive